The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I spent a lot of time going through scenarios and preparation as far as what could happen going up or down. Um, you know, going up this year without having a second-round pick, I don't know if that's really realistic. Yeah, I don't think we'll have to anyways. Uh, but going back, certainly, certainly, I mean, it's an option every year. Um, certainly be an option this year. The process of, of having a heightened urgency per position. It seems like, you know, a year ago, boy, we really, you know, chopped up the running backs in a, in a similar way. And so what we have right now, there's not a ton of holes as we see it, you know, needs. And so that gives you the flexibility to go up when you really like a player. And so it's something we haven't hesitated to do in the past. And, I think uh, it's going to be different. It's going to be a little boring <laughs> on uh, on day one. We're not used to that. Um, you know, we're used to having some action, and we'll see. That might happen again, but uh, otherwise we'll kind of sit through and continue to work so that when we get to our pick, whatever that is, we're ready to, to make it the best move for the, uh, for the 49ers. John Lynch seeming very calm, serenity now for the San Francisco 49ers, even though there are storms brewing for that franchise. We'll be talking about that over the course of the next hour. It's serenity now for me because we have a minor technical difficulty. Mike Golick will be joining me momentarily. Until then, you get to hear from me, but not for long, because we need to hear more from John Lynch. He discussed the most important topic, pressing upon the nerves and the anxieties of the San Francisco 49ers in his pre-draft press conference today. Here is the 49ers general manager regarding the possibility of a certain receiver named Debo Samuel being traded at some point in the future. I can't ever imagine, you know, wanting to, to move on from Debo. You put yourself through the exercises of, you know, you, even though we don't have a first-round pick, you have to be thorough in this process and prepare for everything. And so you, you go through and do that. He's just too good of a player. I can't imagine. That's kind of closer to zero intention than zero chance. We heard zero chance about Kyler Murray last week. Zero intention about others. Can't imagine. We don't have a first-round pick. Mike Golick, I don't know how much of that you heard, but I think the doors cracked a little bit for somebody to make the 49ers an offer they can't or won't refuse. Well, I mean, at some point, you got to make a business decision, right? I mean, if, if a guy doesn't want to be there, and we're seeing more and more players who are high-level players with a little more power, and able to maybe kind of direct where their future is going to be. So you have choices. You know, at some point, is is he going to draw a line in the sand that says, I'm not showing up to where, you know, then a whole other set of things go in motion. Is it something that can be worked out? Does he Is he no chance, no way, no how, no matter the money, want to be in San Francisco? That's what we just don't know. And then if that is the case, if the discussion is, 
he doesn't want to be in San Fran no matter the cost because other teams will be willing to pay him whatever 25, 28, 29 million dollars a year for whatever the reason. Then if you're San Francisco, there are two ways you can go for a player who is under a contract. It's well, then sit. You know what? You're not going anywhere. Uh, and if you decide you don't want to play, then enjoy the couch and enjoy not getting paid and enjoy not get a year counting toward, uh, you know, your 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 years, you know, for, for your contract. Or you say, guy doesn't want to be here. Let's get the absolute best deal we can to make this a good business deal. So there's going to be choices. There's choices on both sides in this one. But the one thing in a, in a bigger scheme, Mike, as I'm seeing, is that the big-time, big-money players, and we've seen that position wide receiver really grow in the money situation, those guys are having more and more power within the league. And this is such a strange situation. And again, I think of the various Mondays that we get together and do this, how much the NFL world changes from one Monday to the next. We knew that Debo Samuel was trying to get a contract and he had gotten death threats and racist comments on social media but it was wednesday when this notion that he wants to be traded fell out of the sky we know he wants to be traded we still don't know why and the why is so important here because there are some things the 49ers can fix there are some things they can't fix if he just doesn't want to be in california they can't do anything about that if he wants his contract they could do that if he wants to be used less as a running back they could do that so until we know why we don't know whether it can be repaired and you said something mike that dawned on me earlier today during pft live and i wrote about it today at the website terrell owens was really ahead of his time unfortunately for him he was the original guy who wants out but there was no way to get out there was no social media he could use as a weapon to constantly badger the team and post things and then delete them like Debo Samuel has been doing. All he could do was shirtless driveway sit-up press conferences, Drew Rosenhaus (laughs) going next question, next question, next question, and then be as disruptive as possible until it all blew up during the 2005 season. He got what he wanted a year later. It's such a different world now. But he really was, I wouldn't say the trailblazer. He tried to blaze the trail and set himself on fire. It's been blazed now where guys who do want out can make it happen. And, and I think the fact that other teams have moved on from players at their request, even if the 49ers have never acquiesced to that kind of demand, it creates a sense that, well, they're going to do it too. The Packers did it. The Chiefs did it. The Seahawks did it. The Texans did it. The Vikings did it with Stephon Diggs a couple of years ago. And the original guy, I think, if we go all the way back to when this started, was Khalil Mack. When he decided, I'm not playing for John Gruden, I want out, and they finally gave in and traded him. Yeah, again, so that's where we are. And the toughest thing, Mike, is we don't know the reason. Does he not want to be come out of the backfield more? What did he rush for? 59 times last year. Did rush for eight touchdowns. So if you take him just as a receiver, well, he had a good year last year, right? 77 receptions for over 1,400 yards and, and eight touchdowns and a lot of yards per catch. So if he just wants to be a receiver, his agent can say, listen, his numbers, especially the yards, are right up there. So obviously not with, you know, a, a, a Cooper Cup of the world, the amount of catches, but the yardage is up there. So Pam, like one of the top guys, but he just wants to be a receiver. So you, uh, and again, if that's what you want, you have to make sure the team you go to is willing to just do that. Because what he and Cordell Patterson have done, Cordell with Atlanta, man, they are really kind of bringing that role along 
of running the ball, being the running threat, and not just on jet sweeps, and also catching the ball as well. Now, what does that do? It gives you more touches. It could possibly shorten your career, but it's giving you added value as well. So I'm sure in Devo and his agent's mind, they're like, well, we want to give up more. If this, in fact, is one of the reasons. We want to give up more running, but we still think our value is that of one of the top wide receivers in the league. And that's what they're going to swing for. And if they can get it, great. And if the team is, you're you're worth what a team is willing to pay you and to the team that you're leaving, what they're willing to trade for you. So let's see. To to me, there's just too many non-variables, you know, the variables we don't know yet. As far as why he wants to go, is money the issue? Can they pay him more and that'll satisfy him? Can they say you won't carry the ball X amount of times? Will that satisfy him? And do you want to do that because he's such a dangerous weapon? It is amazing that it's come to this. I've said that over and over again. Whatever happened, the 49ers either did something or didn't do something, said something or didn't say something that helped harden his resolve. Because even if it is... I don't want to live in California. Okay, I'll make an exception because I really love playing for the 49ers. I really love being part of this organization. I can go back and forth. Aaron Donald doesn't love living in California. He's a Pittsburgh guy. He'd prefer to be closer to Pittsburgh. But they take care of him. He deals with it. If the 49ers were properly taking care of Debo Samuel, he would deal with it too. And I can't help but wonder, Mike, at some level, whether or not the 49ers simply believe they will get themselves another lottery ticket, scratch it off, and get a Debo Samuel because they could delude themselves into thinking we made Debo Samuel. He didn't make our offense. There are plenty of other guys we can plug into our offense who could become Debo Samuel. That's, that's a hell of a risk to take because I think there are qualities that Debo has that you just don't pluck a guy out of the draft and say he's going to become Debo Samuel. But, but I do think what we are going to see, Mike, is more and more players being used this way. And I don't just mean in the NFL. I think in college as well. You know, it'll be this new hybrid position that, you know, they'll, they'll try and make a position to get paid like we, we had talked about before when Jimmy Graham's like, no, 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 I'm a wide receiver. I'm not a tight end, <laughs> you know, when, when to try and do that. So I think that's what's going to happen is more teams because these are great athletes. These are great athletes who, if they're not touching the ball after taking jet sweeps or taking handoffs or catching screens or going deep, now they become a great threat. So you have to game plan and account for them, which could open up something else. So I don't think, you know, what Devo is doing and Patterson was doing, we're all like, wow, I think you're going to start to see more and more players want to do this and more and more teams want to do this with some players because it a for the player it adds value for them and b for the offense it gives you a multiple threat that the defense has to account for yeah can we put that last graphic back up i just noticed something i'm not saying that i disapprove of it but i have noticed something we got some snarky captions on these graphics. I'm not writing these. <laughs> Debo, don't get mad at me. Is this it? That's pretty good. But look at his numbers. He, I remember, Mike, it was in Super Bowl 54 against the Chiefs where it was like, damn, Debo Samuel was good. Like, where was he hiding all year? And then in 2020, he was one of the many 49ers who was injured for most of the season. It was only last year that he had that great campaign. So 
Yeah, the 49ers may not be convinced yet if he's looking at $28 million a year, whatever the case may be. They may not be ready to make that investment. They got themselves a hell of a predicament. They've got $25 million in cap space tied up in Jimmy Garoppolo. More on him in a second. Nick Bosa is going to want to have a big contract. He's got more sustained success than Debo Samuel. But Debo emerged, and they allowed this to happen. They relied upon him. They leaned on him. They put the ball in his hands in crunch situations, and he came through. There's a price to pay for that, and there's a risk to take if you say, we'll find another guy who can do this. Tough spot for the 49ers to be in, Mike. Yeah, we throw up that graphic. What did you did you want to see? 1,100 receiving yards, 1,200, then 1,400. Sure, you'd love to see that, but you know the world we live in? What have you done for me lately? And all he's got to do is slap down that last year's statistics right on the table and say, that's what I did. I'm 26 years old. There's more of that where it came from. And in my three years, that wasn't the first year. And then I fell off the next two years. This was the last year. And I had my best year and one of the best years in the league. So pay me now like you're paying all the other wide receivers. That's where we are. The 49ers are currently less than a million dollars under the salary cap, which makes it difficult to pay Debo or Nick Bosa the contracts they currently deserve if Debo even wants one. And currently he doesn't. One way to create some cap space right now, this minute, rip off the Band-Aid, is to trade or cut quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, who accounts for more than $25 million. John Lynch, the 49ers GM, addressed the status of Jimmy G at today's pre-draft press conference. Here's Lynch. You know, guys like that don't fall out of trees. He's a good player at a, at a position where, um, you know, that they're hard to find. And so, um, you know, you... You certainly don't just give guys like that away, and and we can, we can I guess foot the bill if you if you want to describe it as that. And so, um, you know, we'll be patient with that one. Stubborn is as stubborn does, Mike, and that's what it comes back to. Guys like that don't fall out of the trees, but you know what? We don't really want them. Guys like that are hard to find, but we think we've already found another one. Until they come up with a two quarterback offense, they're going to be paying Jimmy Garoppolo twenty five million dollars to stand around if it comes to that. I think this is, more than anything else, an effort to wait and wait and wait. And maybe they'll get lucky, and maybe it won't happen until the very end of the preseason, like the Teddy Bridgewater obliterated ACL in late August of 2016, which opened the door for the Eagles to dump Sam Bradford for a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick and start Carson Wentz. Not that it worked out for either team, but it gave the Eagles an opportunity to get real value for a guy that they were prepared to move on from. Now, they were far more convincing in their, yeah, we're going forward with Sam Bradford. The problem is nobody believes that the 49ers would play Jimmy Garoppolo, and nobody believes that they want him on the team. So why would a team trade for a guy who's middle of the pack at very best, $25 million, which currently isn't all that much in the grand scheme of things, no contract beyond this year, shoulder surgery on his throwing shoulder. He said last week, I think I'll be ready to go by training camp. That's a fairly important proposition as well if somebody's going to trade for him. I just don't know why the 49ers think there's going to be a market for this guy until someone tears an ACL in August, if that ever even happens. Mike, you have to know they don't think that. That's why they're, they're trying to create a market. When I was doing shows for a couple of decades, I hated doing football shows in this time frame because whether it's a draft or what we just heard, everybody's lying. You can't believe anything. They are, John Lynch is trying to make it sound like, hey, man, we're good. 
All's good. You know, we can we can work if physically we're fine. It's all good. He wants to give that notion to other teams. Wait a minute. They they might keep him? Or maybe we might have to call and trade for him. Knowing full well they don't want to keep him. No. But John Lynch has to give the impression all is right. Don't look behind the curtain. Everything is fine. Don't look under the water where the Ducks' feet are going crazy. We want to dump this guy. The Browns want to dump Baker Mayfield. But we're going to tell you all is good. If we got to keep him, hell, you can never have enough good quarterbacks. So we'll just keep him. They're trying to give you the impression all is good. And then oh, and then they get a phone call. And the phone rings a couple times. Oh, you want to trade for Jimmy G? Well, we're not sure. I mean, this is the game. This is the game from February to the end of April or May, whether it's this talk or draft talk, that I hated. If I could have taken a three-month vacation during this time frame, I would have. But I was never allowed to. And I understand why, because football is king. Because even when we would bring all these guys on as guests, you just listen to them, and we'd show them, and I would just put my head down and go, oh, my God, does anybody believe that they're even saying this right now? You mentioned Baker Mayfield. There's a significant difference between Mayfield's situation and Garoppolo's. Mayfield is getting his money this year right. no matter what. $18.8 right. million is fully and completely guaranteed. Garoppolo's money doesn't become guaranteed unless he's on the roster as of week one, and then it's not really guaranteed. It becomes termination pay under the CBA. If they cut him, he gets the rest of it, so he's getting it if he makes it to week one. But if they would dump him Labor Day weekend as part of the cuts down to 53, he's SOL. He's a man without a country, a man without a payday, a man without anything. And that's why at some point, Mike – He's got to drop the Jimmy nice guy routine. He's got to get the smile off of his face and go be a butthole to the 49ers and say, listen, I, I want some clarity on my situation here. And, of course, the 49ers was probably saying, well, you know what? You should have negotiated your contract, so the guarantee right. kicked in before September. But very rarely in the out year of a contract does it have that trigger in there. They're in a position where they can mess with him, but he can push back. And he did media last week, and he kind of pushed back a little bit. He said that the 2021 season with Trey Lance, it was a strange year, and he wouldn't wish that on anybody. That's kind of a sign that he's not on board with the idea of sticking around again and being in that weird posture with the 49ers as they try to groom their next quarterback. But you know, the sooner it's resolved, the better for him. But I don't see it being resolved anytime soon if the 49ers are going to be as stubborn as they seem to be. What did we all say when this deal got signed? Wow, what a what a team-friendly deal this is. And here is team-friendly deal. Jimmy Garoppolo's feet are, are squarely planted in sand. There's no stability there at all. The, the 49ers can control this. So... I'm taking it by your sentence that he's got to become this bad guy. It's like, hey, you keep me around here and I'm going to be a bad apple. I'm not going to be a, a good guy that just sits in line and is a backup. So if you want that, cool. If not, just get rid of me so I can go to another team. Because all he has is an action like that, while what the 49ers have is all basically the cards in their hands and they can, de they can deal this however they want. Yeah, unless they really are thinking about keeping him around and paying him $25 million. And look, there's a thought in league circles, and I don't know if it's accurate, but it gurgles around that Trey Lance isn't ready yet and they need him. I think that would be a little stronger if that were true. And we've heard Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the team, say enough. Again, this is lying season, so who knows. 
But Shanahan has kind of said, yeah, the idea is that Trey Lance becomes the starter this year. They just have to figure out how to unload Jimmy and what they're going to get for him. If anything, they feel compelled to get something. So crystal ball time. And I'll say this. I made a bet with a stranger on Twitter this weekend that if Jimmy Garoppolo gets cut, this person has to buy 10 copies of my book, Playmakers. If Jimmy (laughs) Garoppolo is traded, I have to send the person a signed copy free. So I thought, hey, it's a good bet for me, even though the person's probably going to Welsh and never buy the 10 copies. <laughs> uh, but but I, I think he's going to be cut. I think this is lining up for him getting cut at the latest, right before the start of the season, while the 49ers wait and wait and wait and wait for somebody to have a torn ACL. I mean, yeah, the reality yeah. is quarterbacks aren't in harm's way, and fewer and fewer starters play in the preseason. There aren't opportunities for quarterbacks to suffer a serious injury between now and the start of the games that count. I, I agree, but it's no skin off their nose to hang on to him all the way until that time to see if somebody does get hurt. It, it hurts Garoppolo and the fact that he can't be looking for another team right now because he's got to wait. So, again, team-friendly deal. We know it's probably a low percentage a quarterback will get hurt and they'll be frantic and trade for him, but there's still that percentage, and there's no, no skin off our nose at all to let him hang around before that first week. I think he gets cut and he signs with the Texans because even though he's not going to win a Super Bowl for you, if he's healthy, he will take a four-win team and make them an eight, nine, or ten-win team. And I think the Texans have enough with Brandon Cooks they, and their defense with Lovey Smith now running the show. They have enough to be somewhat mildly competitive in the AFC South. That doesn't mean playoff contention, but that means better than four and thirteen. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo can get them into that seven or eight-win territory. Yeah, listen, there's no doubt he'd want to go somewhere in a team of time where he could go in and play. And while Mills, you know, out of nowhere, didn't do too bad, you know, for a non-first-round quarterback who wasn't expected to play, he went in there and he showed pretty well. So, you know, and right now they say he's the quarterback, but you're right. If Garoppolo goes there, he makes him a better team, and then he tries to kind of restart his career again if he can. And short-term, here's the reality. We've got the draft coming up. Teams that are thinking about drafting a quarterback early in the process, if they don't get the guy they want, then maybe they revisit the Garoppolo situation. For now, though, if I'm a team interested in upgrading a quarterback, I'm going all in with the draft, and then I'll take a step back and consider a Baker Mayfield or a Jimmy Garoppolo if I don't get the guy that I want. The Steelers, a team that is widely believed to be looking for a quarterback in the draft. They went a long 20 years between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger. In their first draft post-Roethlisberger, could they take a quarterback in round one? Here is Coach Mike Tomlin and GM Kevin Colbert at their pre-draft press conference talking about the possibility of taking a quarterback early in the draft. See, anything we did in free agency is not going to preclude us from drafting a player at that position. The quarterback is the most critical position in our sport, um, and it's we, we have to get that right. Uh, could we add somebody? Yes. Could we start the season without adding anybody? Yes. And um, we'll see where it all goes. Coach. So um, I know that the process that we've gone through in terms of getting to know the quarterback pool is, has gained some attention, but it's, it's not an irregular process for us in terms of you know, locking in and, and getting a feel for a certain pool within the pool, if you will. I think, I, I think that is the ultimate competitor's position. And so those that run to and not from competition, those that embrace uh, competition, 
and the intensity of it um, and the anxiety maybe associated with it. Um, I think they have a leg up. Obviously, there's some pedigree-related things per the position, arm strength, accuracy, and so forth, but that's evident. It's either present or it's not. Um, the intangible quality associated with competition, I think, is something that's valuable. Mike Tomlin's got to be one of those dads that when the kids grow up, they got 50 sayings that dad always said. I want people who run to competition, not away from it. I want volunteers, not hostages. He's got a whole list of things he believes, but he's been wildly successful. And, Mike, the big talk is Pitt's Kenny Pickett, Liberty's Malik Willis. Peter King has the Steelers taking Pickett in his mock draft. Sims has the Steelers picking Willis. I have a feeling that if they're going to take either guy, they're moving up from 20. They don't want to get leapfrogged. We've seen them move up in round one in the past for guys they really wanted. I think they recognize if we really want one of these guys, we're not going to play this game and hope they fall. We're going to go get him because nobody's ever going to remember what we gave up to get him if we truly believe that this is the guy we want, Mike. So first, my son Mike was in training camp with the Steelers and just loved Mike Tomlin, you know, just – just kind of the, the way he spoke and the way he coaches. I love the guy as a coach. Even Mike Tomlin can make saying nothing sound good. Because, <laughs> I mean, he, you still want to listen to the way he's going to say it uh, right now. And, and listen, uh, we know where they are. If Mason Rudolph was going to be the guy, they wouldn't have got Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is trying to rebound from his career, and his fan base is saying it was Nagy's fault you know, in Chicago, and then he sat behind Josh Allen. Now he's going to go. But if they're not sold on him, they take that quarterback. And I don't know who they have graded higher. We hear Pickett. We hear Willis. We'll wait and see if they take a quarterback, whoever they take, that they, who they think is, is higher. But Pickett, we know, had a lot of experience in college. Again, you know, Power 5, Malik Willis did not. So you think about if they take a Willis, if they like them better, he can sit behind Trubisky, who's going to be the quarterback uh, this year. And he can kind of like Trey Lance behind Garoppolo, and then we'll see. But that's the one thing I don't know. I don't know who they have rated higher, but that's the one thing that, that we always find with the draft. And a quarterback, that's who you go get if you want to trade up to go get him. But, but the grade has to be there. You know, if you have one point separating them by grade, the two quarterbacks we're talking about, by your team – then you're not, you're not going to make a big move for the one if you can get the other. If you have a significant difference or one that you think will fit the system better, then you do. And that's the stuff we just don't know right now. And, you know, when they've drafted a franchise quarterback, when they got Terry Brad, uh, Brad, uh, Bradshaw top of the draft, when they got Ben Roethlisberger, he was the last guy after Eli Manning and, and uh, Phillip Rivers. Right. The idea that they may have to choose between one of the two, I don't know that I want to make that choice. I don't want to guess wrong here. I'll let somebody else choose them, and I'll take whoever's left over because you want to get it right. If, you, if you're splitting hairs between Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and you pick the wrong guy, oh, boy, you're never going to live that down. Yep. But, Mike, I mentioned that long 20 years. Go back and look. You can find the list on, on Google of the Steelers starting quarterbacks. It was a long 20 years. They somehow got to a Super Bowl with Neil O'Donnell because it was so driven by defense, 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 defense. And uh, when they get Roethlisberger, they start winning Super Bowls again. And so I think they recognize it's, it, they can't start down this path of, like the Colts are doing, it's a Band-Aid every year. It's a veteran Band-Aid every year while we try to hold a team together. We got to go get a quarterback, and we got to groom a guy that can become another franchise player for this 
team. I mean, Mike, did we see the stat? And I hope I get the years right. I think it ended in two, I think it was 2005 to 2017 because after 17, you know, you want to give those quarterbacks time. But I believe it was in that time frame, five to 17, there were 35 quarterbacks taken in the first round. Two are on their original team. Two, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Okay, so I mean, I, what 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 are we doing? I mean, we, we, it's a crapshoot. So we sit there and say, "Oh, I, I don't want to make that decision." I get what you're saying, but that's what you have scouts for. That's what you have a coaching staff for. That's what you have a GM for. They're supposed to break everything down and say, "This person is this grade and fits in with our team this way." And you still are rolling the dice. We still have no idea how they're going to do. It is such a crapshoot. And the only good thing now is, from a team's aspect, is it cost them a lot less money. Because I think Sam Bradford was the last number one quarterback before the the, the rookie scale and got like $50 million guaranteed. You know, and then the first quarterback who was number one after that, I think got in the low 20s. And I know it's gone up ever since. But now it's less risky monetarily when you take one and they bust. But man, they still bust. And that's that always happens. And you know what? It always is going to happen. By the time you get down to number 22, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot less financially risky. And and look, if it doesn't work out, you'll be in position in a few years to do it all over again. One of the reasons that the Steelers didn't draft a franchise quarterback during that 20-year window, they rarely were in position to do it. They rarely did so poorly that they had a high draft pick. And the possibility of being able to get a guy at 20 or maybe spring up into the high teens, that, that, that is something they have to seriously consider. And this may be a good year to do it because the quarterback class isn't as highly regarded. If they really love a guy, if they really think there's a guy there who's the answer, and we don't know the answer to that yet, and we won't know until Thursday night, I think they go do it. Another thing we're going to find out on Thursday night, Mike Golick, is who the Jaguars take with the first overall pick. We'll put our thinking caps on and try to figure out what Jacksonville will do with their second consecutive first overall pick when PFTPM continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Over the weekend, the betting odds shifted as to the first guy off the board. It had been Aiden Hutchinson, the Michigan defensive end, for weeks. Now it's Trayvon Walker, the Georgia edge rusher. He is the favorite. It points bet he's minus 155. That means bet 155 to win 100. Hutchinson now at plus 150, bet 100 to win 150. And it's down to those two as far as points bet and the other odds makers are concerned. It's a long shot for any of these other guys. I think I've seen... Ikemekwanu a little lower in some other sports books. Uh, and I think actually earlier today, PointsBet had him at around, I don't know, plus 800 or so, but they've bumped him back up to 1,600. It sure looks like folks are convinced it's going to be Walker or Hutchinson. I've heard some steam about Evan Neal, who's currently 18-1. to 1, And 
you know, Doug Peterson, the new head coach of the Jaguars, has said you can't have enough offensive linemen, and they have last year's first overall pick they need to get the most out of. I could see a strong argument being made internally for the Jaguars to take a pass blocker instead of a pass rusher. Either way, we know they're down to four guys, and it sounds like they haven't made a final decision yet. They don't have – I mean, they've got pli- – they don't have to make a decision, excuse me, until Thursday night, and it sounds like they're going to take every minute they have available to think it through and think it through and think it through some more, Mike. Yeah, I think so. You know, you talk about the tackles. I, I, I covered both those guys this past year. And Iki Aquanu would, would get so many pancake blocks. He, they, they gave out, like, bottles of syrup after the games as their, their awards. And he has, you know, hundreds of them for the pancake blocks. He's the best run blocker of the tackles. But Evan Neal, uh, the dude can play guard. He played right guard, right tackle, left tackle. It's kind of the transition at Alabama. He is unbelievably versatile. But I do think they're going to go on the defensive side of the ball as well because there is a choice. Do you protect Trevor Lawrence or do you you get some pass rushers and try and help that side of the ball as well? You look at Hutchinson at 6'7", 6 You look at the, the edge rushers now. They're all taller now. They're 6'4", 6'5", and up. They got their lean. They got the great hips. They got the, the great one-arm uh, kind of leverage move to keep the offensive tackle off of them, and they can turn a corner well. What I like about Walker, and I did a couple of Georgia games as well, and that's why you can't really go by stats because that was a defense, and I said that's one of the best college defenses I've seen in a long time. They had stud after stud there, so a lot of times they eat up each other's stats at times. So Walker, you know, if you go by stats, you can be you can that's like fool's gold because you're not really seeing all that you can see at times. Trevor Walker and, and what I saw him do, and I I started reminding myself of the old. Giants, remember when they put the NASCAR package in where DNs would even slide down inside and they'd have a bunch of lighter guys just taken off. I could see Walker doing that. He can rush from the edge, but if you get other edge guys as well that are more pure edge guys, you could slide him down in nickel situations. He's, he's you know, 275 or so. I'm not sure where, what he'll play at. And he's tall enough to make some moves in there. He's, and I don't know how much they would do that, but he's versatile enough to do something like that, let alone come off the edge the way he does. I'm just amazed. I watched him play. And how did you not watch him play? And these are professional scouts, professional coaches, and everybody. All of a sudden, it took you seeing him do something in shorts and a T-shirt in the Underwear Olympics to go, oh, my God, maybe this guy should be moving up the draft board. I mean, what did you watch during the season? Even if you didn't have all the stats, you could watch by the way he played. I didn't need to watch Jordan Davis run a 4-8 the 350-pound nose tackle. It was very cool to see, but when I covered them, I watched him more than a few times go from the nose tackle position to the sideline sprinting, running down a play, and and getting to the back as he was cutting back by the sideline. So I knew he could do that. So the 4-8 just justified maybe that a little bit. So I never understood, Mike, the underwear Olympics, and all of a sudden a guy jumps up. Walker was always like this player to me when I watched him. When you watch tape, watch tape. Quarterbacks, I understand. You can get them to the chalkboard. You can get them watching film. You can get in their head a little bit. But these guys that all of a sudden do incredible numbers at the combine and then their pro day, and all of a sudden they're shooting up the board. What the hell are we doing? Are, are we watching what? tape anymore? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I think there's two important factors when it comes to guys rising up the board. One, one is a media reality that the reporters and the people who cover the draft are finally catching up with what people really think. They're finally drilling down to the true assessments as we get closer to the draft. And all of a sudden they're rising up a board. No, you're just finally getting your board right. 
The other reality yeah. is the coaches get involved after the season. You consider a team like the Jaguars that has a brand-new coaching staff. You got holdover GM, brand-new coaching staff. Coaching staff gets ensconced. Coaching staff watches film. Coaching staff develops opinions. They discuss it internally, and their opinions may change. And then you've got the wild card, Mike, of ownership. Shad Khan speaking extensively mm-hmm. to Albert Breer of SI.com. And look, this is the time of year for the owners to lay low. Because the owners always want us to buy the idea that they're not putting a spoon in the stew and swirling it around. I, I defer to my football people. I don't make these bull crap. They get involved. And it's refreshing, even if he didn't do it intentionally, and I don't think he did, for Shad Khan to kind of admit, yeah, you know what, I am in the middle of this, and we may have some differing opinions, and we're going to meet and we're going to talk it through, but... Hey, if you don't trust your guys who are the experts to make these decisions, just because you made a bunch of money in some other line of business doesn't qualify you to barnstorm in and say, well, I have an opinion. Who cares if you have an opinion? Your opinion is not based on the same foundation that the opinion of the GMs and the scouts and the coaches will be based on. So that's where you have to keep your opinion to yourself if you truly trust your football people. The problem is, Mike, it's billionaire's prerogative. It's my team. It's my pick. It's my choice. And it's impossible, I think, for a human being who owns a team to keep his or her desires completely silent when we get closer and closer to this momentous occasion. It would be great to find that out. Like, Mike, if you or I own, like, Apple or Google or like Elon Musk and Twitter, and all of a sudden we decided we're experts in that area now, right? We know everything there is to know about those companies if we would be able to keep our hands out of it. Because you're right. You're exactly right. I think the best leaders delegate. They understand what they're trying to achieve and put the best people involved to achieve that. I mean, for Shad Khan, I guess all I would say to him is if you're sitting there trying to break down a player and say what your opinion of a player, let's go watch film together. You know what, the next yes. game we go to, let's all go to that game together. You tell me what you're seeing, I'll tell you what I'm seeing. Or let's just run through some tape. You go ahead and break down the play for me. I, mean, I don't want to make it you know, sound like I'm, I'm degrading on the owner because at the end of the day, it's their money, it's their ball. They can write the check and they can take the ball and go home. But you know what? I, I guarantee you, you get an owner making a lot of decisions, you're not going to get very much you know, better each time. And I, and I hate to sit there and bring up the Jerry Jones situation, but Jerry Jones, when he won three Super Bowls, who was in charge? I know the third one was more uh, – uh, Jimmy Johnson wasn't there. But that was Jimmy Johnson's guys, okay? Yep. Jimmy Johnson brought in those guys. That's why they had the breakup that they did because Jerry Jones was all butthurt because, you know, Jimmy Johnson was doing everything, you know, and getting all the glory for it, which he should have. The dude's still not in the ring of honor, which is a joke for there. But that's an owner that's saying, I got to do it my way. Where have they been since? Jimmy Johnson has been gone, or his guys have been gone after that third Super Bowl. They've been nowhere. So as much as it's your money and it's your team and you can do what you want, as I said, the best thing I think about an owner and or a leader is to delegate and let the people that know what they're doing, or at least that you hired, uh, to think they know what they're doing, do what they do. And, and you know what? If they keep getting it wrong and you're not winning, then you fire them and you try it again. But I, I, I just don't see the owner rolling up his sleeves and going, oh, yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I want to watch tape on that guy and break this guy down. At least Jerry Jones drops the pretense and doesn't act like it's someone else 
who's making right. these decisions and doesn't say it was the homeless guy as he was walking in who told him to draft Johnny Manziel. We know Jerry Jones wanted to draft Johnny Manziel in 2014. He didn't need to cook up some phony story like Jimmy Haslam did. And, you know, the thing you said about saying to the owner, hey, let's go watch film. I've heard stories of general managers telling business people because all of these teams will have some business executive who is able to claim credit when things go well and run and hide when things go poorly and say I'm not part of the football operation and those folks sometimes will try to tell the football people what to do and I've heard stories where the reaction is if that's what you're going to do I got a stack of prospects we got to grind this film (laughs) get it get your ass in there and do it because you don't get to just tell me the big picture stuff you gain the credibility by grinding and, and scouting and understanding and watching and developing an opinion that way. So uh, it's an age-old problem for NFL teams, and the best teams figure out how to properly navigate around those aspects of human nature. Let's go ahead and take a break. The Commanders thinking about doing a deal, and the Panthers pondering Baker Mayfield. Will they pull the trigger on him at some point this week? We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of PFTPM. Just there moving both ways and talking to people who are in front of us and who are behind us. Uh, so we just keep that dialogue going. Uh, it all depends on where you are that morning and then and where you are on the clock and who's available to you. Um, but we definitely have uh, started making those contacts and reaching out. Martin Mayhew, GM of the Washington Commanders, they sit at number 11. You hear a lot about teams wanting to trade down. In a draft like this, yes, we can trade down and still get a great player. Good luck finding someone to trade up. And we talked earlier, Mike, about the Steelers at number 20. Hey, they want to get themselves in position to get a quarterback. That's what they may have to do. They may have to spring up there and maybe Washington willing to do it. Now, some would say, why doesn't Washington just take a quarterback? They, they're all in with the Carson Wentz Reclamation Project 3.0. We'll see if it works, but I've heard nothing and seen nothing to suggest that they're willing to to go out and get a rookie. They want to see what Wentz can do. So if you can trade down and you can get some picks and get some more lottery tickets and make your team better, so be it. I'm a firm believer, Mike. The draft is such a crapshoot. The more draft picks you have, the more crap you shoot, the more yeah. likely you are that some of it's going to hit a target. No, I, I completely agree. Listen, we have, we have seen, you know, we were talking in the break, Bill Belichick, do great things in the draft, whether it's drafting someone or making trades, you know, and, and he's got the track record to end the rings to say, I know what I'm doing. And, and it is a crapshoot. I mean, getting, getting draft boards together has to be just an unbelievable, unbelievable process to go through. And then on the day to finally get in there and try and be ready for any scenario that happens, you know, and that's why this is the line season, because there are so many scenarios out there and no team wants to give away any kind of scenario at all. I still think one of the great moves did anybody see Andy Reid going up and trading for Patrick Mahomes. I go back to that draft and I don't remember hearing anything about that. And look, look how that worked out. So, I mean, draft day is a funny, funny thing as far as whether you want to trade up, whether you want to trade down, whether you want to acquire assets, who you want to take. And then quite honestly, you all just, and and, and we know this, the day after the draft, every team, what did they get? Exactly what they needed. We got exactly the guys that we want. And then two years from now, we'll talk about all the uh, guys that didn't turn out so well. Draft PR 101. Keep your mouth shut about who you want. And when it's over, say, we got everyone that we wanted. We got exactly what we wanted. Whether or not they turn out to be any good, yes, time 
will tell. Time will tell whether or not the Browns can trade Baker Mayfield. There was chatter that emerged last week that the Panthers were interested, and there were some that thought maybe the Panthers had decided we're not interested in any of the draftable quarterbacks. We'll go Baker Mayfield instead. There was a report today from Ian Rappaport of NFL Media that the Panthers will not trade for Mayfield until round one has completed. At the earliest, they may not trade for him at all. If they go out and draft Kenny Pickett at number six or somebody else at number six or trade down, I think that's another opportunity. They could try to work the board, drop down into the teens, and then get a quarterback, get value if you can find someone to trade up. But if they don't get a quarterback then, then they can pivot to the Browns and do a deal with Baker Mayfield. That seems to be the most likely outcome. The only risk there, Mike, if there's multiple teams that are eyeing quarterbacks in the draft and they don't get them, all of a sudden you may have a competition for Baker Mayfield that didn't uh, previously exist. So this goes again, Mike, to the grade you have on quarterbacks and where potentially you could get them and is it worth the pick. So they, they, they do have, obviously, that option. Let's see how the first round goes. Because nobody really picks a quarterback in the third round to say, that's our future quarterback. If it happens, you got lucky. You know, look at a Dak Prescott. Obviously, Tom Brady is, is the main one there to look at. But normally, that's that first round guy that you're going to put all your eggs in the basket on. So you wait and see what happens. But then you're right. If you don't get him and now you go back and want to trade and you get the trade, it may cost you a little bit more, an extra pick or something, because you, you waited. And now the Browns know you're a little more desperate, so they're going to up the price. And then, as you said, you're right. What if other teams are involved? And then you got to start, you know, a little bit of a bidding war with your assets as well. But again, this all goes down to, and it's something we will not know, any insider out there, even, even though I know they get a lot of information, I'm sure no team is telling this insider, well, here's our grades on every single one of the quarterbacks. You know, So we don't know what their grades are. We don't know who they favor or what position. He's only worth it if he's after 15, or he is worth it if it's between 10 and 15. That we don't know. So I don't mind that strategy if they have a quarterback in mind that they're looking to get at the value spot they want to get them. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We've got mailbag questions related to the 2022 draft. We'll take a look at those when this Monday edition of PFTPM concludes right after this. Tom Brady, there he is. He had made the request a couple of weeks ago when the news first emerged that Elon Musk may buy Twitter. He wants to have this photo eliminated permanently from all digital recording and preservation devices. And now Tom Brady with the so now that Elon (laughs) Musk has indeed bought Twitter for all the money in the world and then some. Uh, Sorry, Tom, that picture is never going away. And people want to know why he went number 199. Look at that picture. That's why he went number 199. He deserved it. (laughs) I love that. Listen, I remember doing that, man. I remember doing that in 85. Our our, our, dra- our uh, combine was at Arizona State. I had shoulder surgery, so I just came off that, and I had no – I didn't work out at all. I'll never forget standing there in my shorts, just kind of turning from side to side, man, and all, all the, the coaches and our doctors looking at you, just standing there like a piece of meat. It was it was hilarious. I mean, I, I, people are like, "Oh, it's degrading." And, oh, come on, just stay. Who cares? I mean, your body is your tool for for you know if you're going to make a living doing this. So let them look at it. What do I care? But I remember, and I wasn't. Let me tell you what. 
Mine wasn't much better than that, in all honesty. <laughs> I just love how pissed off he looks in that picture. I don't know if he was hungover. I don't want to cast aspersions. I know he doesn't drink now, except when they win Super Bowls and he throws trophies from boat to boat. But there's just that look on his face is priceless. All right, some questions from the mailbag. Clint DeHaven, what would be the most shocking thing to happen within the top 10 picks? For example, the Jets trade one of their selections for Debo or more drastic. Mike, give me an idea, something creative that would make you say holy crap in the top 10 on Thursday night and, and, you know it shouldn't but it would this year because of where we kind of see everything lining up but a team getting antsy because they always do and they over over exert on a quarterback somebody trading up and a quarterback going in the top 10 quarterback shouldn't go in the top 10 this year but with a quarterback you never know so that is something that wouldn't wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anybody Hey, I remember when the Saints picked up their second first-round pick, and they got 16 and 19 now. One of the things I thought is they're thinking about jumping in front of the Panthers to get a quarterback. You got the Panthers at six, the Falcons at eight, two teams in your division that were after Deshaun Watson, didn't get him, don't have clear answers at quarterback. Saints don't either long-term. Wouldn't surprise me if they tried to move up, although I think the steam has kind of come out of that. I was thinking today about Jamison Williams, the Alabama receiver who Mm. suffered the torn ACL in the national championship game. Look, there's a belief he's going to go higher than expected. The Jets have the fourth and the tenth. I have people – I've seen people putting him at number 10 to the Jets – I think it would be a stunner, but it really wouldn't be a complete wow if the Jets just go ahead and take him at four and be done with it. If you're confident that that knee is fine, and we've seen the ACL surgery more often than not, it's perfected, and there's video of him running around and looking like he's getting closer and closer to 100%. If you truly believe this is a guy who comes around once every five to seven years with that rare speed, and they truly need someone to compliment their second overall pick from last year in Zach Wilson, just go ahead and do it with the fourth pick. Who cares? You got four, you got ten. If you're not going to get Debo Samuel with the tenth pick or some other package, go get Jamison Williams and be done with it. That would be a shock if it happened, but it really wouldn't blow me away knowing what the Jets need and what the hell. Let's just go make it happen. Yeah, I, li- listen, I love him. I love I love his route running. And listen, doctors have torn that knee apart in checking him out and checking the rehab and where he is. And if he's going to be healthy by the season – To me, he should be the first wide receiver pick. I I think he's fantastic. All right, interesting question here from Spidey2YBanana. If you guys were first-round picks, what song would you select to walk out to? Mike? Wow, oh, my, that is a tough question you just put on. So, um, you know, it's got to be some kind of a, you know, get-after-it song. How about, well, off the top of my head, how about about Thunderstruck, ACDC? Oh, awesome. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That is and an you awesome kids song. Out there, any of you kids out there that don't know, look it up. Listen to it. It's a, as they say, it's a banger. <laughs> Apparently, you know, I was I, I would like to make I would make my own music. And oh, it would be No, no, listen, listen. It would be a, a nice strong beat with Ray Liotta from Goodfellas saying, oh, you had a fire, F you, pay me. Bar got hit by lightning, F you, pay me. Because the whole message would be, now that you've drafted me, F you, pay me. That's what I would do. That's what. That's I pretty do. good. Special. And, and, I, I, and I also know you would walk out holding your book. So. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I would have my, you know, now they have this suit. I would have the suit made of the cover of the book. Front cover, back cover. That's what I would do. There you go. All right. 
Uh, one more. The Joseph P. Messer, do you think Detroit will take a quarterback? Uh, maybe Matt Corral at number 32 or someone later. There's been some talk about Jared Goff understanding, you know, they got him tied up for one more year and he may be yeah. on the outs. You think they take a quarterback, Mike? Yeah, do we really think Jared Goff is the answer there? I, I don't think they do. Um, again, I'll go to great, but since you bring up Matt Corral, I did a, a, a game or two of his, which means when you do a game for somebody, call a game, you watch a ton of tape. I like him, and I think we're done with the quarterback height anymore, right? I think he's six foot. I think we're done talking about that. This kid can throw and he can run. So he can he can be dangerous with his legs and he can be dangerous with his arm. I like him. I like him a lot. I know he had a bit of a attitude issues in high school and starting out in college, but it seems like he straightened some of that out. I think he can can kind of be that 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 leader. He kind of has that attitude, like you know, I'll, I'll help, I'll lead this team. I like him. I, I'm I'm a fan of the way he played this year. So I'll be interested to see where he goes. Sims has Kenny Pickett from Pitt going to the Lions at 32. You know, I guess if you have a quarterback with small hands, go draft one with even smaller hands because sure, Pickett's are smaller than Jared Goff. <laughs> but I like the idea of Matt Corral. I like the attitude because that's what the Lions are trying to instill. I've been trying to speak Baker Mayfield to the Lions into existence for the past four weeks now. They need a guy like that. They need a guy with, with attitude and swagger, and maybe Corral can bring that to the Detroit Lions. I'm intrigued by that possibility. That's what Peter King has. But he's got he's got the Lions trading out of that spot with the Falcons. That's a prime trade spot. We saw Lamar Jackson get picked in that spot after a trade in 2018. And Teddy Bridgewater in 2014 get picked at number 32 after a trade. There is nothing better in mock drafts than mock trades in mock drafts. That, 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 that to me is the best thing there is. And if you hit those, that, that's really impressive to me if you could pull one of those off. The permutations are in the quintillion of all the different things that can happen. And we'll be paying close attention to everything that can happen and will happen over the course of the week at PFT. See you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 7 o'clock Eastern for PFT Live. Have a great evening. See you, Mike. See you, Mike. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 